0: Cross, 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 to Across the Margin, the podcast, where we take you beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the online magazine and deeper into the stories. I'm recording this intro right here during the first week of January 2019, almost four years after this initial episode, this primer, as we called it, was released. I'm circling back here as I'm well aware that many, when first digging into a new podcast, they, they start at the top. I surely do, in, a, in an attempt to kind of get a feel for what the podcast is really all about. And while I certainly invite you to delve in here to what we had initially thought across the margin the podcast would exist as, I would also like to make sure that you, the listener, know that the podcast crew into so much more than episode one could have ever hoped for. In just a short time, we were able to reach out and secure interviews with brilliant artists, and musicians, and activists, and writers we never dreamed would want to come on our little, at the time, podcast. People like Michael White, who birthed Occupy Wall Street, or legendary battle rapper Iron Solomon, or hip-hop icon and filmmaker Sasha Jenkins, or legendary rapper Razkaz, or documentary filmmakers like Jack Bryan, the man behind the famed Russia doc, Active Measures. Or actor Gary Carr from HBO's The Deuce. Or track star of the DJ from Run the Jewels. And and that's really just uh, to name a few of the guests who joined in on the fun. So obviously, feel free to start right here where it all began. Or to poke around and see which episodes might be right up your alley. Our goal here is to offer a little something for everyone. So get in where you fit in and thank you so much for listening. Now, episode one of Across the Margin the Podcast go ahead and cue that original intro music. Across the Margin. Across the margins. the margin the podcast where we take you beyond the margin behind the scenes and deeper into the stories this is pretty exciting the first podcast as we now enter uncharted territory with endless possibilities across the margin was born about three years ago literally almost to this day and like any child it has grown and fast Although we never envisioned a podcast to be part of the project initially, it seems the next logical step, as a podcast allows us the opportunity to dig deeper into the stories we've told, to tell new ones, and to speak to some pretty amazing people. But first, we must build a foundation, which we will do so today. And that foundation must be built upon one simple question. What exactly is Across the Margin? Simply put, Across the Margin is an online magazine, one that aims to prove that long-form content still has a place and can thrive online. Across the Margin presents an eclectic mix of fiction, editorials, and factual prose that explore the current state of the world around us and the depths of our human nature. While this explanation may suffice to most, we applaud the fact that our listeners desire more. So let's dig deeper. Across the Margin is a place where thoughts are shared, scrutinized, and eventually beaten and broken down to the most basic developments, and then reassembled and reborn as a new idea altogether. We hope that what you find here will be entertaining, often witty and full of new and unique ideas. We hope that you may laugh or even cry with us us on our best of days. We hope that insight is gained, thought provoked, and beliefs challenged. And we can assure you that this is a place where boundaries do not exist. It's a safe house for topics of all kinds. At Across the Margin, ideas can expose themselves in the light of even the brightest of days, without fear of scrutiny or judgment. Across the Margin is outside the lines. It's out of bounds. It's a deregulated zone where ideas and actions normally bound by rules and guidelines and tradition and standards are allowed to be free, to flourish, and to grow. It's a dwelling that resides outside even our own comfort zone. But we all know that nothing substantial or of true lasting worth happens within one's comfort zone. We aren't necessarily here to change the game. But to alter the way the game is viewed. Words, stories, literature, they're exciting. And it needs to be looked at in this way again. And we are here to do our part to make it so. Be damned the minutiae, the pretense, the outdated, boring rules. What matters is the story. And is that story impactful? Is it beautiful? Does it convey true emotion? and comment on the human condition. This, this is what matters. Writers and storytellers, to us, they are the true rock stars. And at Across the Margin, they will be treated as such. The name, Across the Margin, is inspired by the lyrics of one of hip-hop's finest MCs, Nas. On the track, The World is Yours, off the incomparable, Elmatic. He spoke of writing in his book of rhymes, all the words past the margin. He couldn't stop writing, spitting rhymes, synapses firing, thoughts developing at such a frantic pace that he had to get it down, even if it meant breaking one of the simplest rules of writing and breaking into the unknown and habitless space that lies past the forever closed and heavily guarded walls of the margin. It is in that space where we will dwell, our thoughts, our ideas, our rants, and who knows what else at this point will be there, just across the margin. Maya Angelou once said, there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Well, we have some stories to tell, and this is where we will tell them. Was it a mic drop? <laughs> that was indeed a <laughs> mic drop. So that was who you just heard there. That is Chris Thompson. Hello. Who, uh, along with me, who I failed to introduce myself. My name is Michael Shields. I am one of the editors, along with Chris, of Across the Margin. Uh, Chris, along with myself, uh, will be taking you beyond the margin on these podcasts. Um, so Chris, just so you know a little bit about him, he is one of our editor extraordinaires one of our finest contributors, uh, as, as, as a writer. And he's also the head of, uh, Cross the Margin's art department. You're so, too kind, Mike, too kind. So he, he handles, handles, he, many hats he wears. Many hats, say. yes. For my um, many heads. <laughs> but just because I had the chance to discuss what a Cross the Margin was in, uh, my, my view, what, um, you want to take a minute and and tell tell the people out here what across the margin means to you? Certainly, Mike. certainly. So this is kind of like across the
1: margin and a primer here, right? So um, yeah, yeah, I guess you know this podcast is about moving, you know beyond across the margin. and um but it couldn't exist, you know, this podcast if it wasn't for across the margin. And I feel like since this is our first podcast, we really we really can't go anywhere until the listener. Understands more about what across the margin is and what it means to us, and I like to I like to weigh in on some of this, you know, as you said. Of course. So I remember back when you first introduced me to your idea for this magazine. Oh, the early days. Asked me if I had any interest in becoming a, a contributor to the site, and you know, for years I have been writing short stories, you know, just for myself to read, or I have been collecting little scraps of paper and word files with the beginnings of ideas for stories, or the names and descriptions of characters mm-hmm. that I come up with or a dialogue exchange that I fancied, or a scene that I just, did, just didn't want to forget. But I never knew what I wanted to do with my words or what exactly I was doing it for. You know, I, I kind of spent most of my life keeping my creations and my creativity really close to my chest. And, you know, when you asked me if I had anything I wanted to share, mm-hmm. it was as if all those stories and ideas i had been hoarding suddenly had a life and a place to shine. So I guess if I were to describe what Across the Margin is to me and what I hope it can grow into and when it can be for other people, uh, I would say that it's a safe place for writers to share their thoughts and ideas, you know, their hopes and aspirations. Mm-hmm. You know, It's a place where writers and wordsmiths like me, who wrote simply because it was what we had to do, can have a voice and in doing so become part of a community and realize that, hey, you're a writer. You've okay. got a voice and you have something to say. Um, I know that it took me a long time to realize this. And a lot of the time, I didn't understand why I was writing all these stories. But then something like this magazine came along and opened my eyes. So I kind of see Across the Margin as functioning in that way. You know, It's like that critical moment when a star, which for hundreds of millions of years has been slowly condensing gases around its form, it suddenly sparks to life. And in, you know, and in that burst of fission and fire, that dark, smoldering ball of gas comes to life. It ignites its fiery furnace and begins to glow. And for me... The articles and stories at Across the Margin is that disk of dust and gas condensing under the surface of that fledgling sun. And Across the Margin is the catalyst, you know, taking all those writers out there who have been putting down their thoughts and dreams for years and providing them with that spark, you know, that voice, that outlet to express themselves with their words and in the process, enrich our lives.
0: <laughs> that's... that's I- Behind, all it's it's not surprising to me that you mentioned stars. Yeah, no, I'm a bit been, <laughs> of a nerd about the about the stars. No, that's um that is kind of exactly that echoes what I was saying earlier. Right, right. And um and and so we're both on the same page on that. I mean, I mean, let's let's be perfectly clear here, Mike. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, we, we live in a digital age. You know, I mean, there's no hiding that fact <laughs> for anymore. Better, for you better know? or worse. I mean, these these traditional avenues of communication, things that we grew up with, the print mm. magazine, the newspaper the weekly reader, yes. I mean, all those things are in decline now, you know, but you know, across the margin, it's an online magazine, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just as easy for us to reach out and touch you with one of our articles or one of our short stories as it is to buy the Hobbit on DVD <laughs> from Amazon. You know, I mean, it's, it's that easy. Another nerd
0: reference. Right, Love
1: right, it. right. But you know, with that ease has to come a persistent respect for the quality of the content, you know, just yes. because it's simple To distribute our articles, you know, in stories, it doesn't mean that its quality should suffer. I mean, you're not gonna find multiple daily posts that discuss the cutest animals on Instagram or the top twenty-five reasons why only long distance BFs really understand you Uh, on across the margin, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, nor are you gonna find any articles that simply link to other sites' content and rehash what's already been said by someone else. You know, there's life in everything that we do from the most Mundane of endeavors to the most magnanimous of tasks and everything in between, you know? There's stories there. People talk the best when they are speaking about things that they love and feel passionate about and they live, and across the margin, we want to celebrate that.
0: And in speaking of the content we present, one thing I am very proud of is the diversity of, of that content at acrossthemargin.com. It isn't just fiction or poetry, we talk art, fashion, film and television, sports and politics. We even label one of our categories simply life, which acts as an umbrella under which writers can talk honestly about the more affecting moments, those times when things get really real. Today, to exhibit this diversity, and to give you a taste of the sort of stories abounding at Across the Margin, we have enlisted three storytellers for this podcast premiere. And the first story we have for you today will be told by one of the more dynamic human beings on the face of the planet, Tom Rao. I am lucky enough to be able to call Tom Rao a friend for many years now. He and I have always had a great deal in common, chiefly a shared appreciation of a little anarchy, especially in days past. But Tom has been an integral part of what Across the Margin has become. He's head of the audio production here, and as these podcasts progress, you will hear a bevy of his original compositions. He's a contributor, one of my favorites, as his worldview is so unique and his writing is so heartfelt. And Tom is one of Across the Margin's founding fathers, and will always mean a great deal to me that he helped me set this ship a sail, and that he remains a large part of what we do here. What you're about to hear is a piece that when, when we released it Across the Margin, it was incredibly received, and it touched many of our readers. It is the story of a father, a son, and a banjo. And now, Tom Rao the banjo
2: I think when your dad does as a kid you're on a lifelong journey to get to know him as a man or at the very least to create some sort of connection however small unreal or delusional that connection may be my dad was a surgeon he carried with him the heavy hand of discipline much in the same way that a preacher carries the bible At the time of his death, I was nine, and to me, he was 75% strict disciplinarian, 20% baseball coach, and 5% miscellaneous. But one thing I truly believe about life is that there isn't one thing that defines us, despite the way other people see us as individuals. In the case of my father, within that 5% lies an entire band I never got to know. Enter the banjo. Dad wasn't much of a musician, but he pushed the banjo on us like it was a way to speak to the gods. Maybe it was his love of Steve Martin, comedian and banjo extraordinaire, whose records we would listen to when I was a kid. More likely, though, it was just one of those strange and beautiful universal flukes that somehow a guy from Chicago who loved Roy Orbison, Buddy Holly, the Rolling Stones, and the Beatles fell in love with the old-timey Appalachian sounds that spring forth from the banjo. He took lessons, and he forced his children to take lessons. And he wasn't good, but unquestionably, he loved it. Unfortunately, no one else in the family shared that enthusiasm. Not one of his three children made it through more than a few lessons before declaring the banjo enemy of the state. Fast forward 25 years and I've become a fairly accomplished musician. I don't play music for a living, but I do get a chance to travel to some amazing places and be a part of some extremely special things because of the incredible power of music. It's the closest thing to God that I've ever experienced is my church, my confession, and my salvation. I'm not saying I would have killed myself without it, but I'm not saying I wouldn't have. More importantly, though, every time I hear a banjo, I think about my dad. A couple of months ago, I was listening to Drummer Down by His Golden Messenger. I was surrounded by the thick cloud of loneliness that engulfs us after a breakup. On this particular morning, I was feeling especially morose. Between the breakup, M.C. Taylor's beautiful voice and lyrics, and the subtle air of banjo in the song, my levy couldn't hold. I let the tears wash over me. After the flood, when the water had receded, I could see what remained. And there it was, on top of the rubble, a single obvious thought. I opened up Facebook and posted, Does anyone have an old banjo they can part with? A couple hours later, I received a somewhat cryptic response from my friend Murphy, whom in my circle of close friends is lovingly referred to as the Wizard. The Wizard has long, wild red hair, generally sports some kind of unruly facial hair, and for every part genius is an equal part madman. Hey man, give me a ring. I have a banjo to talk to you about, he replied to my post. I called him immediately and he told me a story about his stepbrother and a banjo. The first time Murphy met his stepbrother Eli, they were both 15. Murphy immediately took positive note of the slew of punk rock patches that adorned his sibling's trench coat, but one patch stood out. It wasn't for a punk band, rather for the West Orange High School Marching Band. Murphy, suddenly skeptical of his new brother's entire being, began the Inquisition. Are you in a marching band? Eli, undeterred, quelched all implications immediately. I'm going to play the world's first heavy metal tuba, he retaliated. And with this unforgettable encounter, the wizard had met his punk rock tuba-playing eclectic stepbrother. He never did play the heavy metal tuba, or if he did, no one ever got to hear him bellow out the bassy bottom end of the Dark Lord. But he did once do a 40-minute solo tuba interpretation of Allen Ginsberg's poem, Howl. It was much better on paper. At time's completely unlistenable. But that was the thing about Eli. He was hapless. To him, a 40-minute tuba rendition of Howl was a way to be artistic and subversive, a way to undermine the status quo. To most of those around him, however, it was comedy. He was comedy. And he was too nice of a guy to stand up and yell, "'Fuck you, you shallow bastards. I'm a rebel. Listen to me roar.'" And that's where the line ultimately got drawn, between the way the world saw Eli and the way Eli saw the world. He never made it as a musician in the way he had dreamed. In that world, he wasn't quite good enough. But he was certainly a musician, and like most musicians, he was always learning and collecting new instruments. And at some point, he acquired and began to play an old tenor banjo. While Murphy told me his stepbrother's story, I felt a certain kinship to Eli. Like him, music is my core. And like him, and maybe like all of us, I fight with reconciling what is on the inside with the way people define me. In some ways, his story is also very much in parallel with the way I saw my dad. When I was nine and he died, I had only seen a sliver. For Eli, he lived his whole life with only a few people seeing more than a sliver. And in the end, I don't think the world was ready for him. I've been fortunate enough to find enough creative or occasionally destructive outlets to keep the train moving. Sometimes, in fact, I think I even feed on that vague combination of pain, sadness, anxiety, and angst. For me, I want to be able to feel everything. But for Eli, the peak of his sadness caught him at the worst possible time. He hung himself in 2003. After his death, his family had to sift through his belongings. Amongst them, that old tenor banjo from the 60s. The wizard took it into his possession. He was going to find it a meaningful home. As Murphy told me the story, my heart was in my stomach, but at the same time, it was one of those rare moments where you feel like you're in exactly the right place at the right time. As he closed out his story, I began mine. I told him the story of my dad, his cancer, and his love of the banjo, of how it was a way for me to do something that would have made him proud, how it was a way for me to fill a hole that feels like it's infinitely deep. When I was done, Murphy didn't hesitate. Well, come down here and get your banjo. I asked him how much money he wanted for it, but of course, the wizard only deals in magic. Now, when I play the banjo, I wander. I wander back to my youth, when my dad, my brother, and I would play baseball every afternoon until the ball was too dark to see. I can feel the clumps of freshly cut grass kicking up behind me as I run around the yard. I can smell the cow manure from the neighboring farm. I see his stained white t-shirt and the way he swung a fungo bat. I feel his scruffy face rubbing against mine when we wrestled. He always laughed hysterically when he squashed me. I continue to play the banjo. Just like Dad, I'm not very good yet, but it lets me wander. I wander into an old house in the middle of the grapevines where the banjo lessons took place. He's an old man now. His smile spans from ear to ear. He couldn't be happier that someone is finally going to play the banjo with him. We butcher some songs. We talk about life, about lust, about love. We drink bourbon. We wander on. Every day when I play the banjo, I get a little bit better. Soon, I'll be able to make it sing, and I'll sing a song, the notes forming waves that travel through the universe, connecting the past to the present, and the present to the future, each one part of a web that binds everything. I'll sing a song, and each new note, a piece of the conversation I'm having with my dad that spans time infinitely in every direction. He was roughly the age that I am now, somewhere in his early to mid-thirties in my memories. When I look in the mirror, I see his reflection. I never got a chance to talk to him as an adult, never had that moment of acceptance where we were on equal ground. In turn, I spend a lot of time thinking about his approval. I have also spent a lot of my life doing things I know he absolutely would not have approved of, and I'm fine with that. But I've always wanted to find that thread in the universe that ties us together. And when I hear the banjo, an instrument he so desperately wanted to play, I can hear something in the sound waves that speak to me. I pick it up because I have something to say.
0: Wow, that, uh, that piece gets me every
1: time. I, I love that piece. So what touches me about this piece yeah. is the idea that Tom's banjo is this bridge between him and his father all these years later after his father passed away. For me, I can't imagine a more beautiful way for Tom to celebrate his father and his life than to teach himself how to play this instrument. And the songs that he'll play and the music that he'll create, I imagine, will be the soundtrack of the memories that he has of his father. To me, that's some magical imagery. And I'm really proud of Tom for writing this piece and for sharing it with us here at Across the Margin.
0: Yeah, the same. I mean, so many of us can relate to that, that yearning to connect to our uh, our father and mother. Um, and in Tom's case, with, with One Not There, there was that inability to find that connection, um, until Tom found it with, with through the banjo and, and through music, so it is sad, but it's it's uplifting and, and it's beautiful. So I can't thank Tom enough for sharing that with us, that, that intimate story. It's it's really really great, and it's funny when we finished the piece. I remember um, Tommy thanking me for 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 the help help on it and and for providing platform and and for all the edits and suggestions and just helping him bring that story to life. But um, but it will always—it's always, always going to be the case—that's us who thanks you uh, for for sharing your stories here. Um, you know, when 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 you contribute here, we don't we don't take the words that people share with us lightly. It's uh, it's 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 a big deal when people open themselves up. So so it's a note to everyone out there: don't be shy. If That's you, right, right. If, please, if, if you have anything, uh, come with it. We, we we welcome it with open arms. Right. But, definitely. Um, again, thank you, Tommy. Um, I can imagine uh, I will revisit that piece very often. As will I. Okay, so our next storyteller is also a consistent contributor here at Across the Margin in Douglas Grant. Um, I have had the extreme privilege of knowing Doug since childhood, but um, it's funny, now I consider myself not only a friend, but one of his fans. Uh, I can't help being proud of the writer he has become, and It has been captivating watching him grow and develop his craft. Doug refers to himself as a historical novelist, as the backdrop he uses for his stories are social and political issues from the recent past, events that we have all been affected by, whether we know it or not. His writing is always insightful, full of clever anecdotes, telling of of the state of our world affairs, and displays a unique understanding of the complexity of, of human nature. But today, he has a little something different for us. Today, Doug walks us through the best 30 seconds of his day. Here is Doug Grant, the community garden. There's a
3: daily ritual you have that gives you a tremendous sense of peace. It happens first thing in the morning every morning, and it doesn't matter if the weather is scorching or frigid, sunny or rainy. Every day on the way to your office, you pass by the community garden, and these brief few moments set the tone for the rest of your day, often putting matters in perspective. But today you've grown extremely agitated, almost irrationally so. Today you blew right by the community garden without even glancing in its direction, and the disappointment you feel toward yourself because of your negligence is rather troubling. It takes you approximately 30 seconds to walk from the community garden's north end to its south, 30 seconds in your entire day. You learn long ago that you benefit the most from structure and routine, and regardless of how much you may boast about how willing you are to experience new things, you acknowledge that you are a creature of habit. You're grateful that this garden has been placed in your path on the way to your office. You'll never pick up the pace when you're strolling by it, even if you're running late, and yet neither will you linger in an attempt to prolong the experience. Thirty seconds is all you get. Sometimes when you walk along the pathway while listening to music and sipping on your coffee, You'll gaze through the chain link fence and consciously raise your awareness. You become truly appreciative of the collective efforts of the young caretakers who brought their vision to fruition. The sight moves you. You won't realize it then, but this may be the highlight of your entire day. The community garden is eclectic. In its northwest corner is a lagoon with lily pads and bamboo shooting right up out of the water and reaching for the sky. One day you saw a heron or a crane standing on one leg at the edge of the water. You ask one of the young gardeners if it was put there, but he surprises you by telling you that it shows up on its own every so often. For some reason, this information pleases you. As you walk along, you take in the area reserved just for succulents, and they appear to be thriving. There are bird feeders and bird houses, both of which are usually populated. You even spot a hummingbird feeder dangling from a tree branch. There's a winding pathway that cuts through the garden, And as you pass along the flower bed filled with colorful miniature hollyhocks, California lilacs, and gadishas, you eventually make your way to the garden's south end, to the Japanese-style rock garden, complemented with a statue of the Buddha. The whole perimeter is enclosed in and shaded by beefy palm fronds that only contribute to the garden's allure. At the end of your walk, you see the skeletal beginnings of what may eventually become an arbor, and you think to yourself that it's a nice touch. Some might feel that the compost bin on the western side of the garden is an eyesore, but you think that it has its place here. It's indicative of the sustainable ecosystem movement that's continuing to pick up momentum out here in Cali. In fact, you've grown to appreciate the garden's imperfections, including the occasional weed that sprouts up in the flowerbed, or the crabgrass that tugs at the corners of the fence and threatens to compromise the serene beauty of this place. You're proud of the individuals who've made this project a reality. You're proud to know them. So why are you so upset with yourself? Is it simply because today you brushed right by without taking notice of it? Yes, that's it, but it's more than that. As you walk into your office and start dropping items onto your desk, you realize your mistake, only now it's too late. You won't double back and go outside to take in the garden. You had your chance and you blew it. You didn't pay the slightest bit of attention to the garden as you walked by it, and now you've probably thrown your whole day out of whack. You're being hard on yourself and you start to wonder if the feeling is justified. You come to the conclusion that it is. If you were really too distracted to take notice of this place that serves to put you at ease every morning, then that means one of two things has happened. You were either dwelling on what happened yesterday or worrying about what may or may not happen tomorrow and this is no good. This is not how you're trying to live your life. You spent a lot of time and energy striving toward living in the moment and today you failed utterly. Your daily walk by the community garden is symbolic of this endeavor. Now here you are, and you realize you've once again gotten caught up in those old habits that used to make you crazy and bring out the worst of your nature. Lesson learned. At the very least, you're aware of it. This is a good starting point. This goal you have won't be achieved overnight. You'll need to continuously work at it. Today you had a relapse, but it's not the end of the world. Tomorrow, you'll be keeping your eyes out for some minute detail of the garden's layout that you may have previously missed. Whatever it may be, your it will bring back that sense of contentment. It always does. As your time here at this job quickly draws to a close, you realize how precious few days there are left. But you're not gonna worry about that right now. Tomorrow morning, you'll have 30 seconds all to yourself. And for 30 seconds, you will remain present in the moment you can't change what happened yesterday, and you don't know what will happen tomorrow. You've spent a lifetime trying to grasp the basic concepts of this very simple idea, yet somehow living by this tenant has proved to be frustratingly elusive. You're making progress though, and you know that this place, this community garden, has been extremely influential in this new way of thinking. Your problems will be waiting for you when you're done with your stroll. Maybe, instead of focusing on them, you should focus on the beauty of the garden, you just might find the solution that you've been looking for.
0: That was Doug Grant with The Community Garden. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, that, that makes me feel right. There's something, I found something so soothing about that. It hits me, hits me like Xanax or something. <laughs> Def- definitely, Mike, yeah. Uh,
1: what I like is that Doug speaks to you, the reader, as if he is you in this piece. You know, yeah. as if he is the soothing monologue inside your head, giving voice to your daily thoughts he speaks to the routines of your day, of the beauty to the rhythms in our lives that we far too often may not even notice. You know, there's a certain appeal to writing in this manner, and I think it's a window into the type of writer that Doug is and the type of stories and essays that we really want to celebrate here at Across the Margin and Beyond. You know, Doug writes that your problems will be waiting for you when you're done with your stroll and that you realize that you've once again gotten caught up in those old habits that used to make you crazy and bring out the worst of your nature. And I just think what Doug says here is something that we can all relate to, the fact that no matter how much we may distract ourselves from our problems or our worries, that they will still be there waiting for us when we're left alone with our thoughts. But he also speaks of hope, of the insight that may be found in the new realizations born of old routines, and of the fact that tomorrow is a new day and that your troubles will be there waiting for you when it arrives. So why not take a moment now and enjoy the beauty in being alive or of Doug's community garden? You know, I think that's something that we can all get behind.
0: Yeah, no, no question. So before we move on um, to the next storyteller, let me mention that Doug is the author author of two novels, "Preemptive" and "Imaginary Lines," uh, both fantastic, and I'm sure we will discuss um, them with Doug at some point in further uh, future podcast. And both are available at Amazon. So now on to our third storyteller, and uh, Chris, if 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 you wanna go ahead and set this up for us, okay. So I'm here with Diana Thompson.
4: Hola!
1: And Diana, when she's not helping to mold young minds as a guidance counselor here in New York City or gallivanting across the globe in her free time, writes some pretty amazing poetry. She's contributed several stirring poems to Across the Margin and has another one that she wants to read for us today. Now, Di, I know that you've been going back and forth about whether you felt this poem was any good, and I have to confess that having already read it, I think it's beautiful. And I'm not just saying that because you're my wife. Thank you. So I was hoping you could maybe set this poem up for us. First of all, what is it called?
4: It's called Pinwheel.
1: Pinwheel. That's such an evocative word. I know for many people it's synonymous with youth and the carefree nature of childhood. So can you give us some background on what this poem is about or what it means to you? Because I understand there's a bit of a story to this one.
4: Sure. Yeah, you would think Pinwheel definitely stirs up some memories of childhood, and it does, um, but maybe a little darker than most people. Okay. Um, This poem is really in honor of a friendship that went sour and um, randomly running into this girl on the subway platform here in Park Slope.
1: Wow, really? So just seeing her randomly one morning just across from you on the subway platform while you're waiting for work, it, it just inspired you to write this poem?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just triggered this flood of emotions from, you know, my past. And there was just so much um, unfinished conversation and no closure. And I just felt like maybe this was a way to make amends, even if she never reads it.
1: So I guess I'm wondering a little bit about the process to writing this poem. You know, it sounds like you seeing her sort of triggered in your mind the beginnings of the poem. And I imagine you worked on it for a while. But how, how did you find closure? How did you end the poem?
4: So when I, uh, first ran into her a couple months back, I just, you know, was flooded with all these emotions and I just needed to like, write. I wrote like the whole train ride to work and I just couldn't end it. It was, it was, you know, really emotional and, um, I needed some time to, I guess, just sit with it. And then, you know, just a week and a half ago, I was walking, you know, in our hood and, walked by her and was like, oh, there you are again, this stranger who I know so well and just felt that I needed to, you know, bring it to a close and write the, the end to it.
1: You know, I am constantly both in awe and humbled by the seemingly random rhythms of humanity that don't always seem so random upon reflection. You know, like in your case, glimpsing this woman from afar from your past has such a profound impact on you that it caused you to write a piece of poetry. And it wasn't until you saw her again that you were actually able to finish it. To me, that's just another wondrous example of the connectedness we all share. And I know I'm just perpetually drawn to stories like this. And, you know, with that in mind, would you like to share this poem with us now? Sure, let's do it. Great. So here's Diana Thompson reading her poem, Pinwheel.
4: A lifetime has passed since our worlds have crossed. You glance up, catch my smile. A thread of familiarity quickly transforms into disbelief. An unexpected, unwanted reunion neither of us could avoid. My thoughts fill with shame, for I have not changed. My acts of deceit are the same. You look well, still wearing paradox as your stance. Outwardly collected, frazzled within. I question whether forgiveness ever found you, or did resentment change you? Time is a jester who laughs alone for neither of us needed this reminder that our youth is gone. Committed to our morning routine, we stand silent on the platform's edge. Our eyes play an adult version of hide-and-seek. But we are far from strangers. You have witnessed me vulnerable. I have watched you betray all that you know. Our limbs have bore the marks of isolation. Our whispers spawned comfort when all we knew how to do was moan. I daydream about who you've become. With generations of comfort behind you, I'm sure you had the option of choosing well, some righteous cause that breeds false realities and coaxes you to sleep at night. But you deserve the illusion of happiness. I know how deep your anxiety lies, the social ticks that go mostly unnoticed, yet keep you a prisoner with no one by your side. My years have not betrayed me, the pledge I made as a child. Your heart would ache at hearing my escapades, my crimes. Yet somehow life has steered me somewhere safe, mirroring the identity you were bred to embrace. I struggle with whether this world is truly mine, or am I just a visitor abiding time? So here we are now, stoic statues, frozen in our silence, decades gone, crushed pinwheels, our youth a distant song.
0: So there you have it, our three storytellers in Tom, Douglas, and Diana. Uh, so what's so fascinating here to me is that when we decided to have these three steady contributors to Across the Margin read on this podcast, we invited them to read whatever story or poem or whatever they wanted to. But now in hindsight, it's it's really intriguing to see how these stories correlate as they are all sort of, they sort of exhibit the therapeutic power of writing. Oh, the, the, the healing power of words it's, it's great to see that I, I love it, it's, it's my medicine of choice before we wind down this inaugural podcast, let me just say a quick thank you to all who helped make this happen to those who helped us birth the website, particularly Sam and Sonia of Backbrand Productions and Larry Thacker from Creator Die, to all the writers whom you will most likely hear from in future podcasts and to all who have supported our efforts, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And I'd also like to make it clear that this is only the beginning. And yes, that is a warning. As right now, we are just figuring out this podcast thing, technically and such. And we have plans. The guest lists are already being composed. And we believe that you will be pleased. The topics we are intent on discussing are varied, and in that vein, we will have a little something for everyone, and we plan to dive deep. Something we pride ourselves at the website is the balance between all the fun, all the fiction, all the satire, the film, television talk, the music talk, with articles that we consider more important, imperative even. We live in a fucked up world. One threatened by climate change, overpopulation, and war. And we won't shy away from this fact. Oftentimes, our takes may come across as pessimistic. But in reality, we find immense value in this sort of realism. Nietzsche spoke of this idea. And that realism, well, nihilism in his case, can be just the beginning. That if you use it as a tool and take it through to its logical end, then you can break through and find solutions by truly examining the problem rationally. This re-evaluation of values, as he called it, is something we here at Across the Margin understand and will employ from time to time. But that is only one facet of our eclectic journey. Across the Margin is much, much more.
1: Across the Margin is about confusing a dream with life, about blurring the lines between what is real and what is imagined. It's about chasing down those fleeting tendrils of thought you had in the most inopportune of moments and putting it down on paper rather than letting it slip back into the ether where it resides. When you need a shelter from the overwhelming magnitude of simply being alive, Across the Margin will be there for you. Come take a dip in our daydreams and our delusions, our fantasies and our emotionally charged rants. There's always a place set for you at our table. Virginia Woolf once said that she had a deeply hidden and inarticulate desire for something beyond the daily life, and I think a lot of us feel that way these days. Across the Margin, and this podcast, Beyond the Margin, I see them as an outlet for those who yearn for something more, who want to break free of the monotony of sitting around waiting for something to happen. If you want to affect real change in this world, to feel like you have a real voice and your opinion counts for something, then Across the Margin is for you. At least I hope so. I don't know. Let me put it to you this way. If there's an alternate universe out there, then I hope that Across the Margin is the gatekeeper to this round.